Two, one. And I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence, the shame. silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. Hello, 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 everyone. Oh, it's good to be back on the airways. How you been, Free? I'm good. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. A lot going on in the world, um, but I'm so grateful that we are still able to do this work and to get this information out to everyone. This is episode 25. That's a big deal. It is. We have come a long way. I know. 25 episodes in. What do you know? Mm-hmm. And I want to shout out Sam Collier and Tadashi and Lecrae and everyone for allowing us for to sure. post. Um, our last podcast was actually a podcast that I did an interview for um, about perseverance, um, celebrating Tadashi's new album. But grateful that we were able to share that information. I just felt like it was so powerful mm-hmm. of a conversation. And so we're grateful that, you know, they were able to let us use that as yeah. one of our episodes. But this podcast is really important because we're going to be shining a light on borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. also known as bpd so glad to be here this and, is gonna be good and then you know next week we have uh, may coming up which is mental health awareness month and so many wonderful things going on with national silence to shame day on may 5th also with our texas dawn launching we're trying to raise a million dollars we're gonna raise a million dollars that's our goal for 2019 so that we can keep doing our community conversations, keep doing our team mental health forums, our mental health first aid training, our self-care Saturdays, our content and this podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. We got to be able to do the work. Right. And we have to be able to bring the staff in and, and do the program. So we hope you guys will join us as we kick off our 2019 fundraising campaign with the Textathon, all in support of National Silence the Shame Day. I still like have to pinch myself like that we have our own day. That's super dope. <laughs> and it's it's growing and you just see the impressions growing every year when we do our digital push. Yes. So like I'm always excited around May. Yeah. I May st- 5th specifically. I still can't believe it, but I'm just very grateful and so excited about this episode. Um, this is a young lady that I met at one of our self-care Saturdays. Everybody, let's welcome to the Silence and Shame podcast, Miss Maya Gill. You are officially a silence to shamer. Yes. So we love that. Thank you. I'm yes. really excited to be here. So thanks again, Maya, for being here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a little bit about your background with our audience? Yeah. So um, my name is Maya. I'm 23. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed with uh, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, and adulthood ADHD. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed in 2016. Okay. okay. Yeah. And where are you originally from? So I was born in Mississippi, but mm-hmm. I was raised in Georgia. I moved here when I was three. Okay. So yeah, I'm a Georgia peach, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so now you were officially diagnosed at what age? 19 or 20. 19 or 20. Okay. With which diagnosis though? Uh, at, all three. All three. Okay. Right. Can you talk a little bit about what life, your emotional health was like as a child growing up? Definitely. Um, so as early as I can remember, I think around the age of 12 was when I was able to really um put a word to what I was feeling and I was suicidal Mm. and I remember writing about it I had a diary so you journaled so I journaled a lot okay and once I really was um once I really found out what suicide was that's when I was like okay yeah this is it you know Mm. this is um, it meaning this is an option for me. this is an option and this is what I've been feeling like Mm. that feeling Mm -hmm. it's it was being suicidal Mm -hmm. and um I how, how young were you I was 12 Oh, wow. When I was really able to like 
know what it was know what it was mm-hmm. and articulate it yeah right. so how um how did your parents deal with that how did they react or uh, did they know that you were having thoughts of suicide at that age um i don't think they knew that i was having thoughts of suicide mm-hmm. but i was rebelling i was acting out and mm-hmm. okay um so they knew something was going on and um yeah my mom was kind of like maybe we should get you therapy but i was against mm-hmm. it i was like no, that's not for me i don't do therapy. so your parents did try yeah my mom that's did. great my mom did that's yeah. great because that doesn't often happen for many people right but right. unfortunately mm-hmm. you chose not to is what you're saying is that right i chose not as to. a child as to a get child therapy. The, mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah after 12 i i didn't um not when i was 12 okay. no now you had suicidal thoughts. Did you ever try to I take did. your own life? I did. Can you do you mind talking a little bit about uh, that? Definitely. So, um, and you were st- was this still when you were twelve? No, this was later on. Okay. At what age do you think? In two thousand sixteen. When? Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Got it. So, well, well let me ask something yeah. before you go to two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. Do you remember at the age of twelve? I'm not even sure what grade. You're in at the age like of 12, six. maybe about sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what might have um, triggered. Dr- triggered those thoughts? Oh, yeah. So um, I was bullied heavily. Okay. Uh, really heavily. Okay. Which and is also, a huge problem. It mm-hmm. really is. Right now. It mm-hmm. is. And I really didn't have anyone to turn to. Teachers really didn't listen to me like that. Mm-hmm. And I also um, went through uh, child abuse when I was okay. younger. Okay. So that played a role in it. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, was your dad in the picture when you were 12? <laughs> um, no, not not really. Okay. Mm-hmm. He lives in Mississippi, so. So, how did you kind of I think snap out of it is the wrong word to use, but how did you deal with it at 12 and did you kind of take your frustrations out, you know, with your family or mm-hmm. your peers and how were you able to cope kind of through the high school years? And then we'll get into when you were diagnosed officially in college. Okay. Um, I didn't really cope with it at all. Um, I went from being bully to the bully. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like, I was tired of everyone coming at me and attacking me. So Mm -hmm. I I was just like, okay, yeah, here it is. And you took it out on other people. Right. Right. Mm. So, um, coping with it, I really, not in positive ways. I really didn't Didn't. at all. Okay. Mm. Okay. So let's fast forward now Mm -hmm. to college. You're a junior. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're having thoughts of suicide. Right. Take us kind of back to that day and what that looked like. So um, the summer leading up to junior year, um, basically, I was on medication and I went to the CVS to pick up my prescription. And I had been during that whole summer really suicidal. So I was kind of looking at suicide as a vacation. And that sounds crazy, Mm. but I got fed up and I just felt like this is not only an option, but this is the best option. Now, was this medication that you were on after you were diagnosed with the multiple diagnoses that you mentioned earlier? Um, What was this medication for? So this medication was my psychiatrist at the time Mm -hmm. really hadn't formally given me a diagnosis, more so like a, I think you have this, so we're going to try this medication Mm -hmm. just to see what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to go get my refill and I made up my mind that I was just going to, down the whole thing oh, no. yeah. had you battled between the age of 12 to that point like was it a consistent battle with suicidal thoughts or did you ever have a break in between that time frame no it was never a break it was always consistent but i think it just got to a point where i got tired of being the burden or the disappointment mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. at that time it was just kind of like yeah i'm gonna do it okay yeah. and you looked at that as a way out so to speak to mm-hmm. leave 
what you thought at the time was pain in your life from yourself as well as your family or really was it just for you? It was for everybody, for myself, for my family. I felt like life would be way easier for them Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't have to deal with me anymore. Mm -hmm. So, So first and foremost, let me say that I'm grateful that you're here. Absolutely. With us. Thank you. That you got the help that you needed. Mm. And whether that's God, the universe, excuse me, whoever you believe in, family support, that they helped you that day. Mm. Um, Talk about that day. Were you taken to the hospital or what happened? No. So um, why I didn't. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you didn't. You didn't take anything. No, I didn't. Okay, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it well, was the thought of, mm-hmm. which is what happened to me as well. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. take anything that dark night in 2015, but I had counted out all the pills mm-hmm. that I actually had in my mm-hmm. medicine drawer mm-hmm. just to see if I thought I had enough mm-hmm. that would, you know, do the job, so to speak. So I had actually went ahead and put all of them in my mouth mm-hmm. and my sister called me. Mm. And so I wasn't going to answer, but wow. then something in me was like, answer the phone. And so I just. You know, that was. I, mm-hmm, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I did. Divine intervention. That, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, mm-hmm. I spit all of them out and I answered the phone and I told her, like, I was about to, you know, I was about oh, to do my it. gosh. She was like, go home. I had driven to the middle of nowhere in Herring County. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where I was. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a set destination. I just drove. I was just driving. So then at what point did you go seek help So from that experience? At that um, moment, was it the next day? Was it a couple of days later? Did someone convince you? Because you were on campus still, right at Georgia Georgia Southern, right? School hadn't started yet. Oh, it hadn't started so yet. This but you the were summer. but you were in Savannah. So uh, did did you talk to like school counselors or anybody on campus or who helped you go and check yourself into a treatment facility? So I had um, sought help on from the on campus counselors, okay. mm. which I really didn't get help like that. So I went, when I got back to Statesboro, I got Meaning that it wasn't helpful for you? The resources that they presented weren't helpful for you? Not really, not at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was more so kind of like a, if you tell me right now in this moment you're suicidal, we're going to just call the police. And mm-hmm. so I, mm-hmm. I didn't want that big commotion. I got it. And so I got a psychiatrist down there. Mm-hmm. And um, she told me, if you ever feel like you're not safe with yourself, let me know. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so November 2nd was actually when I decided that, okay, yeah, I need help. Mm-hmm. And so I went and talked to her the next day, and then um, I admitted myself November 4th, 2016. That was a very powerful thing. Yeah, it was, because, you know, so many people don't really do that on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't take the initiative Especially alone. being so young. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were, what, 19? Yeah. Like, are you a spiritual person? I am. Because I, I just want to make sure I can insert mm-hmm. God into this you conversation, because I try not to impose, you know, my beliefs on anyone, because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, people believe whatever faith they believe in, and, and, and we acknowledge and respect that. But, wow, God truly had his hand on you, in my opinion, that he, he allowed you to get that help, because it's really, really tough to seek help on your own. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're 19, it's November Second, so second, second mm-hmm. you you go to this facility. Mm. Walk us through that process of what that was like. So um, when I went and spoke to my psychiatrist, she called them and made sure they had like space available. And mm-hmm. she told me she was like, "Okay, you have an hour." She was like, "You have an hour to get down there." And she mm-hmm. was like, "If within an hour you're not there, I'm having somebody come after you." So I was like, "All right, I don't want that." Mm-hmm. Right. So right. I get down there, and they gave me a list of stuff that I can and can't bring. Mm-hmm. Um, being in there, I wouldn't say that the nurses themselves helped me mm-hmm. but the people that I was in there with really helped me a lot I think that was the first time in my life I wasn't looked at 
as weird or odd or there was something so wrong. So you're with saying your other peers that, that were, were in there seeking with treatment. you seeking treatment. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. So it was kind of like all of us coming together and mm -hmm. really pushing each other because there were people in there that had committed suicide that were resuscitated, you know, that were in mm. there. And it was just kind of like, You mean they had attempted? Attempted. Mm -hmm. attempted yes. Well, I hear what you're saying. They had right. actually, it, they had passed, but they right. were resuscitated. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. My roommate. Right. Right. Oh, I I'm, see. Okay. Right. I misunderstood. Mm hmm So. Wow. I know that you can't speak to their experiences, but mm -hmm. what was the experience like having them being able to give you a perspective of the suicide having gone through, though they were mm -hmm. resuscitated? Like, what was that like sharing that experience with them? Oh, she regretted it. Mm -hmm. It was regret. It was like... Um, did it change your perspective as well? It did. Okay. It really did. It was kind of like that moment of talking to her, like, we're here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm mm -hmm. very grateful that you are here right now to talk to me. And it was really us uplifting each other. Mm -hmm. And once I got out, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not Do you, Did you keep anymore. in touch with any of them? I did. Okay. I did. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, when they start opening up and sharing their stories and they talk about, you know, when they... Um, attempted mm -hmm. suicide in that moment like if i recall correctly even kevin hines who is an advocate who shares his story mm -hmm. talked about the moment when he jumped and there's a, a feeling instant of regret, regret. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's not that you want to take your own life you just want the pain to go away exactly um so exactly. i'm grateful to that facility how long were you in the facility or how long was the treatment program for you so um <laughs> it was i went the fourth and i was able to leave on the eighth, and um, so I wasn't in so there about a week that long. Well, five days. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't in there that long. But. Okay. And was it? Did you? Was it um, overnight or just daily inpatient? Overnight. Overnight. Okay. Mm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about now, which is what this episode is about. Uh, BPD, mm -hmm. which is um, for those of you that don't know, it's borderline personality disorder on mm -hmm. Wikipedia defines borderline personality disorder, also known as BPD, as emotionally unstable personality disorder. It's a long-term pattern of abnormal behavior characterized by unstable relationships with other people, unstable sense of self, and unstable emotions. There is often dangerous behavior and self-harm. People may also struggle with a feeling of emptiness and a fear of abandonment. Mm. Symptoms, symptoms may be brought on by seemingly normal events. The behavior typically begins by early adulthood and occurs across a variety of situations. Substance abuse, depression, eating disorders are commonly associated with BPD. Up to 10% of people affected die by suicide. And again, this is just a definition from Wikipedia. And also we know that this disorder affects more than 4 million people in the United States alone. Mm -hmm. yeah. So talk to us about when you received the diagnosis of having BPD and what that looked like for you. So, um, again, I was diagnosed in 2016 and she kind of um, really just told me I am certain you have BPD and I'm like okay well what is that and mm -hmm. when she talked about it it clicked for me it was mm -hmm. kind of like this makes sense like I've felt all these things and now to kind of put a name with it it was somewhat Did closure. It feel relieving yeah mm -hmm. I was relieved but at the same time it didn't last long I got angry mm. because I was like you know all of all the things that could be wrong with me a mental disorder like I, I wasn't mm -hmm. I didn't know how to cope with that and and most famously I just want to um, put some recognition to it or context to it. I know that Brandon Marshall kind of speaks about also experiencing BPD. It's, yeah. it's something that he battles with or has. Um, so I wanted to ask 
for you. And we're going to come back to Brandon. Yeah. Because I actually know Brandon and, and yeah, he's I, done I some great the stuff foundation with us. that he does. So we'll talk a little bit about that after this. Okay. And so um, I wanted to ask with you, when you said that you became angry, mm-hmm. did you have anger directed anywhere? Like where was, was it just internal? Um, did it send you back into the space that you were before? Or, you know, like what was the um, expression of that anger? Um, more so within myself. I, I somehow blamed myself for it and i really don't know why but i just felt like it was something that i did or it was my fault in some type of way so it was really more so like me just being mad at myself Mm. feeling like there was something i could have done or just not really wanting to accept that this is what it was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, going back to what i mentioned earlier in the definition um you know, it talked about substance abuse issues, mm-hmm. which often go hand in hand when you're talking about mental health disorders and challenges. Did you ever um, have to deal with any substance abuse issues after your diagnosis? I did. I actually um, turned to alcohol heavy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Heavily. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm 23 now, but right. to say that, you know, I was an alcoholic, that's not something I've ever really told anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, hi, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Again, but, this, you know, w- even though I know this will be heard, you mm-hmm. know, by people throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, silence of shame is a safe place in space. Mm-hmm. And so we appreciate you opening up and sharing. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea how many people you're helping right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're here to help you as well. So just know that you're definitely and, not in this by yourself. And, as, and the more you share, the more you realize how not alone you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So did you go to AA or did you have, um, did your psychiatrist or your therapist help you through that process as well when you were dealing with substance abuse? So when I actually admitted myself, I had to do um, NA and AA. Got it. When mm-hmm. I was in there. Yeah. Okay. And at what point or how long did you feel like it took you to kind of get a hold of your substance abuse um, challenges, if you will, to get them under control? And did you just stop using the substance altogether? I want to say maybe because um, I went November 2016. So mm-hmm. by April, I want to say 2017, I kind of laid off of the alcohol completely as far as like obsessive drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still smoked. Okay, mm. so it's four years later. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm mm. really, really proud of myself. Mm. I'm really proud of Do myself. Do you drink? I drink wine, but I'm not like a... But you're at a point where you can have wine... And be good. And, and be, be okay. Right. Have a glass or two, and it doesn't harm right. your, your diagnosis. Uh, are you still on medication, and are you still seeing um, licensed clinical... Professional, licensed mental health professionals. No, okay, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm really happy about that. That's too. awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people do continue to see a therapist, like me. I, you know, I, I think therapy is good, mm-hmm. whether you know you're going through treatment or not. Are you open to therapy if you felt like you ever needed it again? Definitely, and I, I recommend it. Okay, mm-hmm. I recommend it. Okay, good. So, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing um, with NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, mm-hmm. and I know the specific chapter is NAMI Georgia, mm-hmm. and you are a young adult presenter. What does that look like? So, um, I just recently got certified, and so basically, um, we go around to different schools and kind of what school? And when you say schools, are you talking about middle schools, high schools, middle schools, college? high schools, elementary schools? Okay. Um, I think maybe sometimes preschools. I haven't been, but, um, 
really just going around talking to staff and students and kind of shedding light on mental illness and how they can identify students that might have some symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. And not just necessarily be like, OK, this is a problem child. Like, you know, just right. letting them know, like the warning signs of depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and suicide and things like that. Because that's the interesting thing, right? We always talk about with mental health. It's not like it's one test that you go and take. Right. right. It's, it's about your behavior pattern, mm-hmm. patterns and symptoms. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and how long the person, you know, may be experiencing you right. know, those um, patterns. So, wow. I, I'm so proud of you and the Thank work that you. you're doing. I, I wanted to ask, um, at what point did you realize or what made you realize or feel that you did not need um to continue with the licensed professional, mm-hmm. um, nor need any medical, not medical, excuse me, um, medicine as that part of treatment. I got to a place where I really wanted to hold myself accountable and find positive coping skills on my own. Mm-hmm. And I got to a place where I felt like I was depending way too heavily on the medication and on other people. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted Maya to get to a space where it was kind of like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And if I need the help, I'm definitely going to go get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, was that a process of like recognizing your triggers mm-hmm. or OK, really um, tapping into myself and figure out who Maya was and just all around getting to a space where it was kind of like, OK, this triggers me or mm-hmm. I can do this, but maybe I shouldn't get to this point. So really just figuring out who I was and. Mm-hmm. how BPD was for myself. Yeah. I, I'm really proud of you. You know, not everybody, I will say, though, is as fortunate as you are. And some people, um, and it's so many different, you know, types so of many mental layers. health diagnoses and challenges, but not everyone can get off of their medication. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's listening, you know, the worst thing you can do is just stop taking your medicine or your medication cold turkey. Right. That mm-hmm. should be something that you and your doctor discuss Mm -hmm. so that they can properly wean you off of it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you stop taking it, all of a sudden it can have an adverse effect on your body. So we just want you to know that, you know, as we celebrate you, Maya, we want the listeners to know that everybody is different. Mm -hmm. Your chemical makeup is different, every single person. So the information that we put out on this podcast is hopefully one to empower And to educate the community. But we have to uh, let you know also that you really need to talk to your your medical doctor and to get the best recommendation for your own personal treatment. Mm Because not everybody can afford to stop taking their medication um, to live what is their quote unquote normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to go back a little bit to um, Brandon Marshall, since we are talking about borderline personality disorder. Brandon, I had the opportunity to meet. Brandon, um, a couple of years ago, he's just a really, really nice guy. He really um, is. And, and his team is wonderful. He has a foundation called Project375.org. Again, that's Project375.org. Um, I encourage you, especially if anyone has experienced um, borderline personality disorder, to go look at their website and see a lot of the amazing work that they do. I'm going to read a little bit from the first part of their website. Um, everything changed in 2011 when Brandon Marshall was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. While he triumphed under the stadium lights as one of the best wide receivers in professional football, yes, he played, you know, plays in the NFL, his personal life was in turmoil. For years, he struggled with the emotional instability that had crept its way into his life, most importantly, his relationships and his career. With a diagnosis in hand, all pro wide receiver Brandon Marshall was ready to face a different type of opponent. His wife meets 
Michi Marshall is a certified behavioral forensics and behavioral profiling um, mm-hmm. expert and also holds a BA. Yes, she's a bad sister mm-hmm. in psychology and a BS in criminal justice from the University of Central Florida. The diagnosis was her and their revival. So what a blessing that he was already paired with someone. Right. Yeah. That could help. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you. Um, I want to kind of shift this a little bit to did you date, you know, or have you been dating the last few years? And if so, what did that look like with the person that you were dating? Did they understand your diagnosis and were they helpful or have you just decided you weren't going to date, you know, for a while? So um, I dated um, this guy in high school Mm -hmm. and that was complete chaos because it was really toxic because it was me lashing out and being and this was before you were diagnosed right so. mm-hmm. Got it. right so um yeah it, it do you think that it was toxic because of your behavioral patterns or him not understanding how to handle the situation with you no it was me mm-hmm. i feel like he was very open and understanding um and again i wasn't diagnosed so it really wasn't i wasn't able to be like oh it's bpd mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he it was it was me Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'll admit that it was definitely me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Free. I commend the fact that you were willing and open to recognize that. Mm. Um, and I just I think that it is such a refreshing experience to see your perspective mm-hmm. and also to hear your story, because I think that especially with you having been at such a young age, which we've I've learned through working with Silence to Shame, that it is around that age range that you were 19 Mm. to your early 20s, that it starts to show itself. Right. And so where people sometimes falter, um, not those who are battling, but those around those who are battling Mm -hmm. is recognizing when a person may go from what they thought they knew to another life experience of them having to seek treatment and cope with new normals right so i i just commend you completely to see that you're having this conversation and so openly and vulnerably and i I want to also um so i feel like i'm interviewing brandon without him being here right 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 (laughs) i can't wait to to hit him up and get michi on the show soon but because you know it's so much that we can do to talk about Mm -hmm. um borderline personality disorder um there's an article that i read um that brandon was in is from um highsnobriety.com and this is a question i'm going to throw to you okay maya but um they asked him what's something that's commonly misunderstood about people suffering with bp oh that's a good question he said you know what i would say that all mental illness is highly stigmatized people have to understand that they are not their diagnosis mm-hmm. every time we hear about a shooting in our country mm. the first thing people say is oh that person must be suffering from mental illness yeah He said, no, not necessarily. And I think it's extremely important for us to change the narrative, not only in our community, but also in the media, because people are continuing to really put those who are suffering from a small bout of depression in a box and saying this person is crazy and impossible for them to live a healthy and effective life. We have to understand that a mental ailment should be treated the same way as a physical ailment. There is no there's no difference. And again, this was um, from the words of Brandon Brandon. Marshall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I throw this question to you, Maya. What's something that's commonly misunderstood about people suffering with BPD from your own experience? It could be from family, from friends. I would I would say um, that we're, we're unaware of our behaviors or we're unaware of mm. um, just how serious it is. So you're saying you, you are aware. I am aware. Mm-hmm. I know with me, um, when I am triggered or when I'm having an episode, I am 
aware when I'm doing too much. I'm mm. aware when it's, mm-hmm. it, when I I'm conscious of the fact that okay, it's not that serious, but I can't not react that way if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So just sorry. No, you no, you answered what I was going to ask. I was going to ask were you saying that the misconception is that other people feel that you are not aware mm. or not in would you say not in control? Do you feel that people believe you're not in control or not? Or how do you feel about that statement at all? Um, just from a personal experience, I would have an episode and people would try to be like, it's, it's, you shouldn't be, it's not that big of a deal. You know, mm-hmm. calm down. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware that wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, I couldn't not react that way. I wanted to ask, is that a um, symptom or reaction of the because you have multiple diagnoses, right? Right, right. So is that a symptom and reaction of a bipolar? Um, is that the a bipolar response to it, or is it the accumulation of both? Is that a response that happens to like? Is there mm-hmm. for someone who just might have BPD? Mm-hmm. Is that the symptoms or the what a person could expect to happen to someone who's just experiencing BPD? Like which is that kind of coming from? If that makes sense, I'm trying to. Um, that's a very good question, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, because I do have both, I know mine is probably a lot more amplified. Okay. Um, but as it relates to BPD, it mm-hmm. is kind of like every emotion I feel is amplified. So I know with bipolar okay. disorder, either I'm like depressed or manic. With me, when it is like BPD, um, when I'm happy, I'm I'm doing the most. So it's kind of like mm. just me having a hard time regulating emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So um, I'm going to I'm trying to kind of like tie this all in. Right. Mm-hmm. So your work that you're doing with NAMI, I'm actually on NAMI's website now. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, f- for everyone listening, a great resource is NAMI.org, N-A-M-I.org. They are the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And I would probably say the largest advocacy organization around emotional health and wellness or behavioral health in the United States. On their website, you can go and, you know, search borderline personality disorder. And they'll give you an overview, <clears throat> information on treatment support and how to discuss it. Again, some of the symptoms, we're talking about BPD, um, some key signs and symptoms could include frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment by friends and family, unstable personal relationships that alternate between idealization, I'm so in love, and devaluation, I hate her. Mm. There is sometimes also known as splitting, distorted and unstable self-image, which affects mood, values, opinions, goals, and relationships. Periods of intense depressed mood, irritability, or anxiety lasting a few hours. These are just a few of the symptoms. Some of the causes, um, it says the causes of BPD are not fully understood, but scientists agree that it is a result of a combination of factors, including genetics. While no specific gene or gene profile has shown to directly cause BPD, studies involve twins, suggest that illness has strong hereditary links. BPD is about five times more common among people who have a first degree relative with the disorder. Do you happen to know if any of your other family members have suffered with BPD, Maya? Um, Not not BPD that I know of. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also, some other causes are environmental risk factors. And again, this is taken from NAMI.org. People who experience traumatic life events such as a physical or sexual Mm -hmm. abuse during childhood or neglect and separation from parents are at an increased risk of developing BPD. Mm-hmm. Does that ring a bell or strike mm-hmm. a chord at all? Yeah, it does. Would you care to share a little bit? It does. Um, and you don't have to be specific in terms of names, but... Oh, yeah. Um, but I was abused as a child. You were. Mm-hmm. I was. Okay. Yeah, from four to eight. Oh, mm. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm very sorry to hear that. Uh, 
And hey. do you, did you, at the age of 12, when you started experiencing those? No, let me ask this. At 12, you said you were able to articulate it. Right. At what age do you feel like you actually started experiencing the thoughts themselves? Or like the suicidal ideation mm, itself? Probably eight. Okay. Probably. And were you were you able to recognize it as a result of the abuse? Um, Not right away, no. Okay. So the last thing I want to touch on is um, treatment mm-hmm. um, on the NAMI, NAMI site for BPD. An effective treatment plan should include your preferences while also addressing any other coexisting conditions you may have. Examples of treatment options include psychotherapy, medications, and group peer and family support. The overarching goal of treatment is for a person with BPD to increasingly self-direct their own treatment plan as they learn what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you can visit their BPD treatment page for more information. Um, And I know... Maya, you told me before we started recording, one of your goals was to become a peer support. Yeah, right? a certified, certified peer specialist. support specialist, yes. So, um, which is obviously a great part of treatment. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that will look for, like for you if you're able to do that? So um, I've been looking into it, and it's really something that I want to do. Um, I really just would like to be able to help other people that are either suffering from a mental health condition or um, people that have loved ones with a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with being a certified peer specialist, I'll definitely able be able to do that and also um, help people within like companies. Cause I know a lot of companies look for certified um, peer specialists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really just trying to help people cope from a professional standpoint within mm-hmm. the workplace. Mm-hmm. That would awesome. be such an amazing thing to see too, that um, more companies include in their HR and benefits, mm-hmm. something that allows them to address mental health so more openly in the workspace right mm-hmm. and i think that's really important it is for sure mm. anything else you want to share with us today um, why was it important for you to because you reached out to me and one i want to say thank you mm-hmm. um what did you find helpful about silence for shame in our organization and why is it important or was it important for you to silence your shame with mm-hmm. our organization so um i actually heard about you from christy sims okay she really put me on oh. Yeah. I love Christy. Shout out to Miss Christy. Yes. But um, no, I, I really liked what you were doing and I was really inspired. And um, just me wanting to really speak about mental illness specifically within the black community. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like, you know. Which we don't talk about it enough. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I really like what you're doing. And then also going to the self-care Saturday. I really thought that was dope. Just having so many of us in one room being complete strangers really like comforting each other and talking about mental illness and not being judgmental Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i really really enjoyed that wow that's awesome i love it thank you so much so um we hope to have you on board to do more with us definitely um we're very excited to have you as a silence the shamer thank maybe we can make you an ambassador one day soon um and hopefully you're in town on may 4th and can come help us um, at our Texas-on if you're around and yeah. you can share the information. Um, before we leave, we always like to make sure that we can provide resources for the community. So um, these are some organizations that I'm going to read from bpdvideo.com. A really good organization is the National Education Alliance for Borderline Personality Disorder, also NAMI, which I mentioned. Another one is BPD Demystified, um, Behavioral Tech LLC, NAMI Institute of Mental Health, and the Borderline Personality Research Center. Again, you can access links to these organizations on bpdvideo.com. 
we always like to share as much as we can. But, you know, as we always say, make sure you consult with your own, mm-hmm. you know, clinician or physician uh, before you start any treatment plans. Um, because, again, you have to, to do the research and figure out what is best for you. But you got to know where to go mm-hmm. to even start mm-hmm. the process. So, you know, half the battle is is showing up and being present and being open. And I think it's important for family members to be a part of this journey. Um, I think my last question I'll ask for you is, how has your family supported you or not through this journey? And do you have what I like to call my starting five? Mm -hmm. Who's five people in your circle, you know, that has supported Maya through this journey of BPD as well as your other diagnosis? So I definitely want to say my mom. My Mm. mom has... Shout out. Hey, mom. Hi, mom. She really... From day one has been like, you know what, you if you need help, let's get you that help. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to say my mom, um, my sister, she currently, she just went off to the Navy. So she's mm-hmm. been there for me and my best friend. So Amazing. I have a good support system and I really, really thank them because it's not an easy thing to talk about or to deal with. But it's they've not. Been there. It's not. And and what do you do for self-care? You know, we had passed out some self-care cards mm-hmm. um, at the event that you came to. So. Tell everybody what Maya does for self-care. So one big thing that I do is um, I allow myself now to feel my emotions and to be okay with what I'm feeling, but not allow myself to stay there for too Mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Also realizing my triggers and being okay with that and not feeling ashamed or embarrassed when I have an episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Taking time for myself, which Mm -hmm. is something that I never did because I felt like, you know, that's selfish if I, you know, I was such a people pleaser trying to put other people first. But now it's like, yeah, no, I'm not feeling that today, so I'm not going to do it. And that's mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, how you can you help other energy. people mm-hmm. if if you're not full, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a, sp- a place and space to help others. Absolutely. Right. Free, what do you do for self-care? Um, I like to create, but mm, um, okay. I like... Create what? Like uh, For me, it's creative ideas, so content or, you know, those kind of treatments things. And treatments and treatments and things like that. Okay. Um, I also and like... For those of you that don't, don't know what a treatment is, tell them what yeah. a treatment so is. So a treatment, the best way to connect it would be like storyboarding. Got it. So when okay. you're thinking of a content idea or a visual idea, it's the storyboard or the concept for it. Right. Um, also for self-care, I like to have engaging conversations with people. Mm. I've realized that that's something that actually makes me feel um, full yeah. and kind of expanded because I like to get other people's perspective on things, yeah. um, which helps me challenge my own and or stand by my own. Ooh. But um, I, like that. I like to... I like to engage with people That's for awesome. self-care. And mm-hmm. for me, you know, I love to dance. Mm-hmm. I love to walk. Oh, yeah, I like to dance too. Walk That's is real. really good um, self-care for me. And what else do I like to do? I like to Netflix and chill. Mm-hmm. I love to take a nap because power naps really help mm-hmm. me. Um, it takes a little bit away from my anxiety sometimes and when I'm feeling frustrated. Mm-hmm. Me and too, then also, um, not necessarily, well, I guess it will be considered self-care, but a healthy coping mechanism when, when I find myself getting really stressed out or anxious, uh, the breathing technique of 448. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people um, learn from yoga. You breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, and then you release it mm-hmm. for eight seconds. And I find myself doing that. I was feeling really anxious the other day, and I just stopped. 
Mm. And I started breathing and it kind of, you know, recenters me mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and brings me back to a place of calm. So mm-hmm. no matter what it is, we encourage you to find your own happy place um, through self-care. We have to have healthy coping mechanisms right. to help us deal with um, some of our challenges in life, um, our illnesses and so forth. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And as Maya said, like sometimes you just got to say no. I think the word no is such a powerful uh, it word. Is. It, it gives is. more power to yes. Yeah, right. So you have mm-hmm. to take care of you before right. you can help anybody else so this has been a wonderful conversation we're just so Agreed. grateful to have thank you, you for on coming. today thank, thank you, you again um, lastly, I want to mention again, um, Brandon Marshall's um, amazing foundation is project375.org. So you can visit them for more information um, for BPD. Also, shout out to NAMI Georgia, yeah. which I know, Maya, you work with them. And it's namigeorgia.org. And they have a walk coming up if you're in the Atlanta area. Um, their NAMI walk. NAMI, NAMI Georgia Walk is in October mm-hmm. so you can get more information from that um, also we did talk about um, suicidal ideation today so always make sure that you know if you feel like you are um, threatening to harm yourself or feel like you know you want to harm yourself please one do not take your own life please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK also there is a great organization called the Crisis Text Line Organization which um, allows you to text or send a text message 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can text the word silence to 741-741 and immediately be connected with a counselor. And then what they, and it's confidential, mm-hmm. which is great. And then they can connect you with a mental health professional in your area. All right. Great show. This has been amazing, enlightening, and empowering and uplifting. Again, thank you, Maya, for taking time out to be with us today. No mm-hmm. problem. This is episode 25 mm-hmm. of the Silence to Shame podcast. Make sure you rate, subscribe, share, and review. And take time, save a life, and silence the shame. If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.